Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about the moment when we decided we're old. We discover a hapless traveler who had to hole up at O'Hare Airport for a while. We discuss phobias about getting vaccinated. We reveal a classic magic trick. We play our fourth installment of Aging is Awesome, and we assure you that it's never too late to learn new skills. The Old Dog's conversation is with Kathleen O'Brien, a woman who is proud of her age and likes to celebrate it. Stay with us. What's on your mind today, Paul? Um, Well, I do have something on my mind. What does the word old mean? mean to you? And when do people our age become old? Ooh, that's a good question. It's philosophy. (laughs) Do you have an answer? It's deep. (laughs) Uh, Well, I know it when other people are old. (laughs) For me, it's a pejorative term. Hmm. To call somebody old, what's unspoken is old, infirm, Mm -hmm. needs help. Yeah. Um, done, uh, (laughs) over. Done, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure when it starts. Probably my children thought old started at 50. I think it's much easier for younger people to decide when you're old than it is for ourselves to decide when we're old. And I I think it starts with a question, am I old yet? (laughs) And eventually we have to answer yes. Yeah. And when is that day? Because I think it's a day. When we say, yes, I'm old now. Well, I'm going to avoid that day. I'm going <laughs> to sleep in, Jim. I think for people that do not consider themselves old, old is a way of categorizing people, putting them in a manila folder and filing them away. Mm-hmm. Referring to a manila folder is an indication that you're old, Paul. Oh, really? Yes. And what do you call them? I would call it a digital file. Oh, I have both. I think really what's behind that question is admitting you're old, does that imply surrender? Yeah. Does that imply surrender to some kind of decrepitude, health issues, whatever it might be? Oh, I'm old. I can't do that. Or is it a self-imposed judgment? Mm -hmm. And that is really something we have been fighting, I think, with our podcast is um, you may be old, but don't act old. I mean, be adventuresome. Be interested in life. You know, try something new. I think that's our prescription for having a productive, interesting life. But I think we're pretty much talking about looks, aren't we? When we say that person is old, yes. it's a judgment based it's a judgment. on their yes. physicality. Right. And it's a judgment that then we apply to ourselves. That if we look old, then we have to act old. We can't do things. I can't climb a tree. I can't do the things <laughs> that I did when I was a kid. But... That also then, I think, boils over into what I can't do mentally, that there are lots of things we can do mentally that we decide we can't do. It's not just memory issues, although we have those, Bob. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it goes beyond really feeling incapable of doing some things mentally, and that, that may be the point at which people our age say, dang, I'm getting old, I need to have some care. Yeah. 
Of course, we talk about being bold, not old. Mm. How about I, just uh, for a new term, bold for lots of years, <laughs> as opposed to old? About or, elder and belder. No, wait. <laughs> or frisky considering. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities found a man that hid out in an airport for three months. Wait, wait a minute. Isn't uh, that a Tom Hanks yeah, movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, this pod nugget is from Sky News for January 19th, 2021. Well, the Hanks movie is called The Terminal, about a man who takes up residence in an airport after being denied entrance into the United States. It was a movie where you had to suspend your disbelief because, come on, airport security is so tight, right? Yeah. Well, a man named Aditya Singh managed to hide out in a secure area of O'Hare Airport for three months. His adventure started when he flew to Chicago from his home in Orange, California, on October 19th last year. He said he was afraid to fly back to California because of COVID-19. Well, he stole an airport ID badge that allowed him to go in and out of the secure area. He survived on food from other passengers. In other words, he depended on the kindness of strangers. Okay, sorry, that's a different movie. Yeah. He was finally arrested on January 16th when his ID badge was challenged. His public defender claimed that Mr. Singh didn't have a criminal record, and though unemployed, he did have a master's degree in hospitality. (laughs) I, I guess he was just being hospitable. Well, he got off with a fine and a promise not to come back to the airport. The real issue is that it took three months to find an unauthorized person in a secure area of the airport. Well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. This is the same security crew that confiscates nail clippers as deadly weapons. It would probably also take three months to nail clip someone to death. Yeah, I don't have that kind of patience. Developing a COVID vaccine may be easier than getting people to use it. This item is from the New York Times back in November 23, 2020. Pharmaceutical companies have so far delivered three COVID-19 vaccines. Producing the vaccines in enough quantity for the whole country is possible by early summer, but a recent survey shows that only a third of Americans plan to be vaccinated. This reluctance likely stems from the mixed messages from the federal government last year about the seriousness of the pandemic. Efforts to stem the pandemic by wearing masks and social distancing have been politicized to the point that complying with common-sense health measures is viewed as abridging personal freedom. Fears about the safety of the new vaccines must be overcome if we have any hope of conquering this pandemic. Researchers have concluded that a relatively high number of individuals are somewhat misinformed about vaccination. An education effort is needed to move beyond our political divisions and deliver factual information about the safety and effectiveness of the new vaccines. We are the age group most at risk from COVID-19. We would be wise to advise other family and friends to please get vaccinated. Something was invented a hundred years ago that's still popular today. It requires a willing assistant, a long box, and a sharp saw. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for January 31st, 2021. On January 17, 1921, the magician P.T. Selbit put his female assistant into an upright wooden box. He then tied ropes around her wrists, ankles, and neck. 
he sealed the box and laid it flat. Next he took a saw and sawed through the box, spraying sawdust everywhere. Well, this was the first time the trick was performed, and it caused a sensation. Selbit started performing the illusion all around England. He even added a bit of twisted marketing. Before each show, stagehands would surreptitiously pour a bucket of fake blood outside the theater as if a new assistant was required each time the trick was performed. Now that's genius. (laughs) Today, the illusion is still a staple of magic shows involving several different methods of cutting assistants in half. You can go on YouTube and see dozens of examples, including chopping two people in half and swapping their legs, and also sawing the assistant from head to toe (laughs) instead of at the waist. Asked why the illusion is so popular, one magician replied that it's the simplicity. You can describe it in a few words, sawing a woman in half. And, of course, the usual caution applies. Don't try this at home. You know, sawing a person in half can ruin a good saw. (laughs) From the pages of Seniorly.com, why aging is awesome. Did you know that creativity doesn't diminish with age? Yeah, Raymond Chandler won the Edgar Award for Best Novel at the age of 67. And Millard Kaufman didn't publish his first novel until he was 90. Who? Millard Kaufman. Never heard of him. Yeah, maybe he waited too long to publish. Mm -hmm. If the fear of being bad at something keeps you from trying something new, you may be missing out on some great adventures. This item is from the New Yorker magazine for January 18th, 2021. It's a biological fact that as we age, learning becomes more difficult, but not impossible. As Rich Kirkland notes in his book, Late Bloomers, The Hidden Strengths of Learning and Succeeding at Your Own Pace. You know, that title is almost a book in itself. (laughs) He points out there are cognitive compensations for us seniors. Our brains are constantly forming neural networks and pattern recognition capabilities that we didn't have in our youth. Fluid intelligence, which is the capacity to think on one's feet, favors the young. But crystallized intelligence, which is the ability to draw on one's store of knowledge and expertise, is often enriched by advancing age. This may be why so many authors flourish in their later years. Here's the challenge. Many seniors felt accomplished and recognized in their first occupations. Perhaps they now fear trying something new after retirement because it won't be as successful as their first career. Well, it ain't necessarily so. Nell Painter was a distinguished historian and Princeton professor. In her 60s, she completely changed directions and got an MFA at the Rhode Island School of Design in Painting. She captured her challenges in a book titled Old in Art School, A Memoir of Starting Over. She encountered judgments from her professors and fellow students about her age. She was considered a dabbler, but Painter was determined to be accepted as a serious artist. Well, no kidding with that name, huh? really. And completed her work for an MFA. One review of her book said, This book is a cup of courage for everyone who wants to change their lives. And here's a little personal history about the old dogs. Jim and I had our share of success in our early careers. But during our 30-year friendship, we've encouraged each other to take on new challenges, the latest being this podcast. 
We started New Tricks for Old Dogs knowing nothing about producing a podcast. Less than nothing. (laughs) It has been an intensely creative learning experience. So our advice to you is to go for it. The fun is in the chase, not the finish line. Kathleen O'Brien is 72 years old and proud of it. As chief aging officer, she feels she's earned the right to be old and wants to help others feel the same way. Her website, Grow Old, Be Happy, is full of great advice about the real meaning of acting our age. She also has a book soon to be released called Reclaim Your Right to Grow Old. Here's part one of our two-part conversation. I must say, this is a real pleasure because reading all the information on your website, we are working in such parallel directions, you know, to get to get people to have an absorbing, involved life when they're getting older. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that being older, or as I like to call it, an elder, gives us a kind of a nice role in our culture. It is different than midlife. It's not filling ourselves with busyness and activity all the time. I mean, if if activity is something you love to do, that's great. But being an elder is seeing life a little differently. And it is not only doing what you want to do, but you also have to take time for inward reflection. It's a time to put all the pieces of the puzzle together because only when we're older do we have the ability to do this. We have the perspective and the wisdom and the experience to kind of say, what has my life been? What is the meaning of all of this? And what do I want to do going forward? Well, Kathleen, that is what we're all about as well. But before we continue, we really need to ask about your bona fides. How old are you? How (laughs) How old old am I? Yes. I am 72. Oh, you're so much younger than us. Yeah. You have so much much to learn. So much to live for. (laughs) I have so much to live for. It's such a wonderful time. I think in my 60s, when I first started researching aging, and I got interested in this because I thought, Surely there has to be a better way to grow old than the way society tells us to do it. It isn't all about trying to be young. That's not the challenge. And what I discovered that real challenge was is reclaiming our right to grow old. It's okay to be old. It's okay to use the word old. It's okay to tell people your age. I always do it. And I encourage my friends to do it. I understand you you had a career in advertising. Is that correct? I did. <laughs> yes. As and I what, like to say, I wasn't an ad writer for nothing. Next to nothing. Next to nothing. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So. So uh, if you can if you can look back to those times, what was your view of aging, or did you even think about it? I didn't think about it at all. I was in the ad business at the very sort of the end of the Mad Men era when guys still ruled the ad business. I think they maybe still do on some level. I mean, I was just trying to make my way as a tall, blonde, young woman in this very male-oriented business. So I don't think I even thought about it. But if I could go back 
and tell myself that it would really be okay to just relax and not worry about the future and just enjoy what you're doing right now. Ah, I think it would have made such a difference, you know. Well, how do you enjoy yourself right now? How do you enjoy life? Is it about the book? Well, the book um, is one of the most delightful things I have ever done writing book. And it is also one of the hardest things (laughs) I have ever done takes tremendous discipline. When it's nice outside and you want to go out and do things, you sit down and write anyway. Um, What do I like to do? I like to do really simple things. I like to go for walks. I I started going back to church. I was brought up as an Episcopalian, and then I kind of went through an agnostic phase. And I've gone back in part I think just because I like the way it looks inside of the church and it makes me feel spiritual and I can just sit there with my thoughts. Um, I love to read. I like to work out. I try to not do things I don't like to do because I think we have earned the right to do what we want to do and not things we don't want to do. And I think A lot of older people feel, well, you know, I've got to prove that I still have it. Mm -hmm. I got to go out and do all these things. You don't really have to. This is your time. This is your time to indulge yourself. So whatever makes you happy, I think you got to do it. I do. You know, it it occurs to me that your work as a copywriter— uh, was a certain style of writing. It was mm-hmm. manipulative, can we say? <laughs> <laughs> and, well, sure. And now, <laughs> that was but, the idea. But now that you're blogging, it's a whole different approach. Can you talk about that? It is a different approach. This is more from the heart. Again, I use the word indulge, but I think in part that's what old age is about. I'm indulging myself and writing what's in my heart and trying to reach people who are out there who are maybe struggling with aging and saying, oh, you know, it's sort of this sad ride on the downslope. I'm just, I'm going into oblivion. No one cares (laughs) what I think. No one finds me attractive anymore. And you know, it's not like I'm some Mother Teresa of aging here, but <laughs> but if I can help people feel a little bit better about this time of life, which is different, that's what I want to do. And I will say, I think I'm a better writer now than I have ever been. And part of it is writing the book. It's like playing the piano. If you play it every day, you're going to get better. If you write every day, you're going to get better. In part, that's how it's different. But also when you're ad writing, Paul, I mean, it's an assignment. And it was fun. I had a lot of fun. But I think that what I'm doing now, there are no limits. I don't have to talk about a product. I can just talk about what's in my heart, what's on my mind. And I love doing that. And I would encourage, even if you're not a writer, but you've always wanted maybe dabble in it, do it. You don't have to be uh, John Updike when you're finished. Just go out there and pour your heart out and see what happens. 
your writing style is succinct. It's uh, economical. Very economical and very easy to follow. So kudos for that. Now, what well, happens? Well, thank you. Yeah, that's that is my style. <laughs> what happens on those days when you don't have a thought and you need to uh, oh. need to write? Well, I would sit here and write, you know, a paragraph or two or three, and say, "This is junk." This stuff is horrible. <laughs> you know, it's like anything we do. If your love is painting and, you know, you're out and you're drawing and you're thinking, oh, I want to do something new, but it's just not happening. It's okay to say, I'm not going to do it today. When you have the luxury of being an elder, you have the luxury to... Um, Decide, first of all, what you want to do, what you think is good. If you like your writing, great. You don't have to please anybody. And then if you spend an afternoon and you don't like what you've written, you can tear it up because you don't have a boss <laughs> to please. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Kathleen, so far we've talked about the luxury of doing what we want to do as elders, but, you know, as we age, we find that our ability to do what we want becomes more and more limited. Um, so when, let's say, our bodies prevent us from doing that, for those of our listeners who are in that situation right now, and there are many, what do you suggest for them to maintain a, a good spirit in their lives? Yeah, there's been a, a lot of research on older people who uh, are aging with some difficulties. One of the reasons that I am a pro-aging person, a pro-elder person, is we don't all age at the same rate. It isn't fair when we see skydiving grandmas to say, well, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't skydive. So we really we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. But the research shows there are a couple things going for older people, as as like you said, uh, Jim, as you get older and you're thinking, well, what if I'm not able to do the things I want to do? One of them is adaptability. Older people have a marvelous ability to adapt, to look at new parameters and find creative ways to do things when those parameters close in a little bit. And I talk about this in the book. I talk about it's your new normal, and it may not be what you had hoped for, but it's yours. This is your old age. So to be a little curious about it. Oh, this is how I've aged. Oh, this is what has happened. And how can within these smaller parameters, how can I navigate the world? And sometimes when we're given those challenges, you know, we feel good about rising up to them. Uh, and another thing that older people have is uh, resilience. And I think it helps all of us who are older and facing any kind of challenge to know that, you know, I've been through things like this before. Maybe this is different because now I have Parkinson's or whatever. And that is, this is big and this is tough. And maybe my life hasn't 
gone in that direction before, but I've gone through tough times. So again, okay, what can I do to make my life as enjoyable as possible, given that I have this disease or this disability? This is my new normal. This is mine. This is my life. So how can I be curious about it, immerse myself in it, and make the most of even difficulties? Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.